The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gates but climbs over elsewhere is a thief and a robber. But whoever enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it with him, and the sheep hear his voice as the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has driven out all his own, he walks ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. But they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. Although Jesus used this figure of speech, the Pharisees did not realize what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus said again, Amen, amen, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come, came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, Praise the Lord. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, first of all, of course, I must say happy Easter. Still, it's still Easter. Especially as Catholics. Remember, Easter is such a pivotal doctrine a pivotal point of celebration that it requires more than a single day to celebrate. And in fact, Easter is 50 days of partying, essentially. So praise God, and so it's still appropriate to say Happy Easter to one another. But as you leave Mass today, as we celebrate this beautiful fourth Sunday of Easter, and the readings are powerful. So when you leave Mass today, make sure you grab the most amazing bulletin in the entire Catholic Church. So. The front photo of the bulletin was from the confirmation retreat, which we talked about last Sunday evening. And in this photo, what you'll see here are all of the confirmation teens. They're kneeling. This was the, the pinnacle of the entire retreat. So what's happening when you grab this bulletin on your way out. So the kids are kneeling, and in the very back of the photo is me. I'm standing there 
holding the Lord and the Holy Eucharist in a monstrance. So the monstrance is that elaborate decorated vessel which we, we put the consecrated host in as we kneel in adoration before the Lord. And so the youth are all kneeling there. And so what we asked the kids to do, kids, they're teenagers, they range from 12 to 15. So kids, in our, especially when you're old, they're, they're kids, right? And so we asked the kids to come up individually in front of the entire group. And I'm holding the Lord in the monstrance, and they would come up one by one. And they would kneel before the Lord. And so the monstrance is only about a foot from their faces. So they're that close. And I'm holding the Lord in front of their eyes. And we'd instruct the kids, when you're kneeling before the Lord, just talk to him. What do you want to say to Jesus? Because this is your moment. Just pour out your heart to him. Whatever you want to say. And so they have a few moments with the Lord and... And I bless each and every single one of them with the monstrance. And then they go back to, the, to kneeling, and then the other team comes up. Leading up to this were a series of talks. Because if you think back, remember, do you remember when you were that age? Pre-teens to young teens, all the way to 15 years old. At that particular point in our lives, we tend to wrestle with two huge questions. And the first one is, what is my value? Oh, our young people are desperate to hear what they're worth. And they're longing to hear and to be validated. And they're constantly searching and asking the questions, what is my value? What is it rooted in? And leading up to this talk, we had Sister Gracie, one of our amazing sisters who helped serve the retreat. And Sister Gracie led a talk on the passion of Jesus. Passion meaning the suffering of our Lord. And as, the, as, the, as she's giving this talk to the teens, right behind her is a huge projector. And we're flashing images of the famous movie, The Passion of the Christ. Even though it's 20 years old by, by, by now, the images are still powerful. They're visceral. And so here are the teens. They're always searching for validation and for love and asking themselves, am I lovable? Does anybody like me? Am I, am I anybody? And then we show them, here's Jesus carrying the cross for you. <laughs> what is your value? Then boom, we flash an image of Jesus crowned with thorns. Right? Are you Are you loved? Boom, we show Jesus on the cross, right? And we're showing him on there, look how much you're loved. This is how much you're worth. Never doubt it. So it's all very dramatic, right, of course. <laughs> but then prior to that talk, that was the talk leading up to Eucharistic adoration, we separated the, the two groups, the boys and the girls. Because whenever you mix boys and girls, uh, a different group dynamic happens. And so, we to, so they can be more honest and more open. We separate. The, the sisters take the girls, and then I get the boys. And there's an exercise that I like to do for confirmation retreats, and I've been doing this for years now. And it's a fascinating way to peer into the minds of our young people. 
Because our young kids, our young teens, they're, they're like sponges of the world. Right? They, they absorb their environment. And so during the retreat, we have all the boys, and I bring out a huge whiteboard, and I say, boys, let me ask you a question. It's a very simple question. I said to them, I said, as a culture, as the adults in your lives, what messages are you hearing from our culture that if you want to be happy, what do you need? So it's a very simple question. And so we have the whiteboard out. I ask the kids, if you want to be happy, what are we telling you as old people? <laughs> what are we telling you? What messages are you getting? And so the kids raise their hands. To be happy, you need good grades. Good. They, they, need to, they do need good grades. So we write down on the board, good grades. All right. What else? Raise your hand. They're thinking, oh, you need a big house. Good. We want to live comfortably, so big house. Another teen raises his hand because they're boys. You need a fast car. So we put down fast car. All right. We need a fast car to be happy. Absolutely, we do. Right? It's not bad to have. And then from the very back of the room, I hear giggling. Father, if you want to be happy, you need a girlfriend. All right. Of course, they're young teens. They've got to get a girlfriend. <laughs> Absolutely. They're starting to like girls at that age, huh? Right? Absolutely. And obviously, we did this for about 15, 20 minutes. I'm writing all their answers down. And then when, when, it's, when I finally realize it's finally done, so I take a step back. And we look at the board. I say, all right, boys. Are we missing anything? They're like, no, we got all the answers, pretty much. Then I look at them and I pause for dramatic effect. And I say, raise your hands if you hear from our culture that you need God to be happy. How many hands were raised, do you think? None. crickets. And that's just not unique to this particular group. I, I've been doing this for years, and at most I get one, two hands. Compare that. Because for what the messages that our youth are getting from the world is that God is not even a viable option to be happy. It's not a serious choice. Compare that now with the beauty of this gospel today. Listen to the Lord. I am the gate. Amen, amen, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and find pasture. I have come so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Do you feel the force, the resolution of our Lord here? 
he's saying to them, to us, I have come so that you may have pasture. What is pasture? Pasture is food, it is nourishment, it is life itself. I am the answer, our Lord says emphatically. And immediately as the Lord here beautifully, he says that I am the gates. He identifies himself as the gate and the shepherd of the sheep. Immediately before the first century hearers, they would have immediately recognized this imagery. Because remember, he's speaking to Jewish people here, practicing Jews, and the Jews would have known their Old Testament Bibles. And for them, when they heard of Jesus speaking that he is the shepherd, they would have immediately jumped to Ezekiel chapter 34. The prophet Ezekiel was active in the year, around the year, the 6th century B.C. So it was about 600 years before the coming of Jesus. And Ezekiel was active in what's called the Babylonian exile. So at that time period, the, the mightiest empire at that particular region of the world was Babylonia. And they swept in in the 6th century and they conquered the Jewish people, decimated them, conquered their city. And the, and the survivors of the Jewish people were rounded up and taken as slaves back to Babylon. So Babylon is modern-day Iraq, just to kind of give you an, an image of where in the world we're talking about. So modern-day Iraq used to be Babylonia, used to be Babylon. And so imagine, Ezekiel's coming in, he's in Babylon, and he's speaking to the Jewish people that are absolutely broken, lost. They're slaves. And Ezekiel comes in to the Jewish people, and he says these words, and I want to read you the words of Ezekiel verbatim. So the words you're about to hear are 2,600 years old. The prophet Ezekiel says, speaking on behalf of God, I will save my flock so that they can no longer be plundered. I will appoint one shepherd over them to pasture them. He shall pasture them and be their shepherd. What Ezekiel said is said here is that one day God will send a shepherd to us. For 600 years, the Jewish people are waiting for the shepherd not knowing when or where he would come. And then now enter Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, I say to you, I am that shepherd. They would have been absolutely floored at this moment. Are you he who we've been waiting for? Yes. The drama unfolds. Our Lord himself says that, as the good shepherd, he says that his sheep will recognize his voice. How do we recognize his voice? Because if indeed our Lord says that he recognizes that the, that the sheep of our Lord will follow him, they recognize his voice, for they will not follow strangers. How do we hear him? And I dare say, 
we must approach Jesus like how we approach learning a second language. Have you ever studied a second language before? You know, as, as priests, as, when we're in the seminary, we have to study Spanish. And God bless our Spanish speakers. They have to deal with my Spanish accent. So in the seminary, what they do to us is that they drop us off. We're sent off during the summertime. We have to spend three months in Mexico City. They just drop us off there. Boom. Survive. <laughs> no, it's more organized than that. We take classes. We study at a university. And we do parish work and all in Spanish. But you notice, it's terrifying whenever you go to a foreign country and you have to learn a second language. But you start to notice things. Because you're, you're just surrounded by all Spanish speakers, all of a sudden, you notice what happened to your ear? The first week, you, you, you know nothing. Everyone's speaking gibberish. But then as the weeks go on, oh, you start recognizing words. Bailar. Ooh, I know that word. To dance. <laughs> La playa. Oh, the beach. And then the best word I learned when I was in Mexico, Tacos. It's a beautiful word, tacos, my favorite word in all of Spanish. But you notice over time, you start recognizing the words. You start recognizing people's voices and you start getting into conversations. Jesus is like that. We have to train our ears to hear the voice of the shepherd. And this is where now I want to challenge us. St. Mary's is open throughout the, throughout the week. From 7.30ish, we open the doors to get ready for our 8 a.m. mass during the week, and then we're open to around 7 in the evening. So it's open up half the day. If your schedule allows it, spend time here in the church when it's completely empty, and just sit and listen to the Lord. What that will do over time was that your ear will begin to be trained. And you'll be able to start picking out the voices of the world, the robbers and the thieves that are trying to distract us and get us away from God. You'll start to pick it out. And all of a sudden, the voice, the Lord's still small voice will begin to rise like cream to the surface. And we'll be able to pick it out. Just like learning Spanish or German or French, it takes time spending with the language. The same thing with our Lord. It takes time. And our ears must be disciplined and trained. And that happens only in silence. Come to your parish during the week. Spend 10, 15 minutes in silence. And then the next day, and then the next week, and watch what happens. I have come so that they might have life and have it more abundantly.